Hello, and welcome to the Parts Innovations Podcast, where we try to bring the best ideas and practices and distill them into actionable advice to help us all grow our parts businesses. If you haven't already, please check us out at partsinnovations.com. That is a project where we try to deliver the most valuable training available for this industry today, and it helps greatly to support this very podcast so that we can keep bringing these ideas to you. Thanks for being here, and let's get started. Okay, so today I have Mr. James Holloway on the podcast with us, and James is a wholesale business development expert by any measure and has an incredibly impressive resume uh, working with companies like Revolution Parts, Summit Consulting, uh, Mercedes-Benz on the dealer side, and, and many more over the course of a very successful career. So, James, thank you for being here and welcome. Hey, thank you, uh, Joe. It's my pleasure, and uh, I'm happy to be here. Very happy to be here. Awesome. Well, I'm excited because, um, you know, for anyone who follows my work, uh, you most likely know who James is. Um, and you know that that he, he puts a lot of effort into, you know, just like I do, creating content around the business. And, and one of his slogans is, we're all in this together, right? That's right. That's right. We, uh, <laughs> And, you know, our, when you when everyone is on the same page and we're all here to help each other, um, great things can happen. <laughs> agreed. Agreed. So, um, yeah, I, I before we get started, so you have sort of five, four or five things uh, or tips for us today that can help us sort of develop our wholesale businesses. But first, just want to ask you a few questions. How did you get started in this parts business? Well, that's a great question. You know, it was um, when you're when you're in high school, you, you're faced with all these um, decisions on what am I going to do after high school or what, what is my career path going to be? And I actually kind of fell into it. Um, and while I was still working in high school, of course, I had a, a side job and that side job involved working at a um, at the automotive department uh, slash sporting goods department of a, of a department store. And um and I found very early on that uh, I enjoyed helping people procure or specify replacement parts that we just happened to sell. Um, we had a we had a, a shop outside. Um, I don't know four or five bays where they we, you know we sold oil changes and tires and things like that. So that's kind of like how I got my foothold into it. Yeah. And you know I decided I liked it. And the part of it that I liked wasn't so much that it was automotive. It was it was people and. Yeah. If anybody asks me today, I, I, I will say this, and this is like one of my favorite sayings is like, we don't work in the automotive business. We work in the people business. Yeah. And for absolutely. me, that's, that kind of, that kind of just aligns right in with wholesale. And you'll tell me, you're going to hear me talk about that later on in the podcast about how important, you know, relationships are. And it's the very pinnacle of, of the wholesale business. But going back to how I got started, I mean, that, that it kind of grew from there. Uh, graduated from high school and went right into the workforce. Um, worked full time at a, uh, I, I guess you'll call it a, a do-it-yourself, um, uh, like an AutoZone type uh, company. Sure. Um, did that for five five years. Uh, learned the business side of it. You know, in terms of not just selling parts, but or you know, stock order replenishment, but um, you know, how to deal with. Uh, you know, on the administrative side, um, hiring, you know, human resources, things like that. Sure. And sure. looking, looking back, it's like, you know, I, I literally, I'm so thankful to be where I am today. Uh, it's been a great career, but going back, um, you know, eventually the path that I was on led me to go to work at a, uh, an OEM new car franchise dealership. And it was the first time, you know, I mean, t to me, parts are parts, whether whether they're they're aftermarket, whether they're OEM or used. Yeah. Um, and, and was that Mercedes? And, uh, I don't. That was Mercedes. Yeah. And you know, I've I've uh, I've never really worked with any other brand. Um, well, that's not that's not true. I mean, I, I worked with Volkswagen. Uh, I worked for the OEM Volkswagen. Uh, both German, you know, uh, yeah. both did things a little bit differently from the other one, but you know, one's more of a mainstream mark and the other one is obviously Highline. Yeah. But, um, but man, so many stories and so many, 
success stories. And, um, and I will tell you, it's always been about, about the customer, about the people, whether they were vendors or colleagues or, or um, draw. So. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I, we talked about this before, but I, I got started in, a, in almost a very similar uh, way. And what I found was that it really didn't have anything to do with the fact that it was parts. I think it probably could have been anything, um, but it was the, yeah. the side helping people sort of decipher and look through one of the things I used to really love. And I still do. I just, obviously in my current position, don't do it as much, but just reviewing schematics with customers and, and helping them identify, um, first of all, you know how, how something might be taken apart or how it might be put back together and what things and components and pieces you'll need. I always found that fascinating and it was, it was stimulating, you know, and I think that's what actually drew me to it because I was really helping people and it was very stimulating. And of course, uh, just like you, that kind of spiraled into, uh, going into the dealer side and and really just developing from there. Yeah, yeah, and I and I can tell you, you know, there was a time uh, at the dealership that I worked at where our our growth was literally like trying to hold onto a rocket ship, <laughs> and um, <laughs> it was unprecedented growth, and just managing that was. It, it, I, I, I can tell you, we went from being a very small corner mom and pop <laughs> uh, car dealership to one of the leading, um, we used to call it the Taj Mahal, you know, uh, yeah. this new dealership that we moved into back in 2003. And of course, that was before, you know, the recession. So, you know, you know how the recession went, you know, yeah. it, what goes up must come down. Of course, of course. And, but I can tell you, um, personally, my, my parts department, when I took over as a, from the assistant parts manager as a parts manager, I think our, our, I, I had five employees, including myself. And then towards the, right before, right before the, the recession hit, we were up to like 25 people in the parts department. Oh, we were hitting over a million dollars. That's huge. Yeah. And totally different business. At that yeah, <laughs> it is, it, it is, it is. And, and, uh, you know, you're, you're not, you're obviously not working the counter, right? You're, you're, I Yo, mean, sure, if you have to, you sure. will, of course, obviously we do that. But when you're, when you're pushing out that kind of business, you know, you, you have to have systems and processes and people in place to make sure it gets done. And if somebody doesn't show up then it, you know, the show must go on. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's, that's awesome. It sounds like we had very similar uh, ways of getting into it. And, you know, that story of, of coming into a dealership, it's very small and being a part of inducing some huge growth. Um, you know, I think, I think that's what people uh, are searching for. You know, they want to be a part of something that is going somewhere. And I think that, um, you know, this conversation in particular that we're going to have today is going to help them uh, get there on their wholesale business side. So, I guess that that sort of leads into my next question, which is, I mean, from your perspective, why is it important that we focus on our wholesale parts business? You know, it quite, I mean, if you look at it just straight on, it's, it's a revenue stream. And when you look at the business, I mean, it's more, and I, when I say the business, I'm talking about the car business and, and working at a dealership. Uh, you have all these departments, whether it's new car, Use use car F and I service department parts department. Those are all those are all departments that generate revenue, and they are right now more than ever. They are uh, every 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 department has to pull their own, so to speak. Yeah. And when I say that, I'm talking about growth. And parts is no exception. Parts is no exception. So. I remember looking at my business as a, as a three or four legged stool, right? And one of the legs of that stool obviously is my service department. And one of my favorite sayings is, is that, you know what, if your service department is breaking records, so are you. Right. If your service department is not breaking records, neither are you. Right. <laughs> and, and, uh, <laughs> 
so, you know, you're looking and you're saying, okay, well, what other revenue streams or what other, what other legs to the stool can I have that will, you know, funnel in through the parts department? Right. And of course, uh, you know, you and I, we're in the parts business. We don't sell labor. The service, the service manager sells time. That is the only inventory that they have to sell is time. Sure. Uh, but um, the, the thing is, is that, you know, the number of cars on the road today are at a record high, 11.6 years old. So people that are, you know, people that actually buy cars versus the people that lease cars, you know, they hold on to them for a very, very long time now more than ever. And oh, yeah. the great thing about that is, is that, um, you know, the older a car gets, the more demand for parts, replacement parts is going to take, take place. Right. Yeah. So, and so, you know, it's not a good idea, at least me personally speaking, I never really liked having all my eggs in one basket with the service department. So of course, you know, we had a body shop, right? And I remember my GM at the time, you know, I'd always talk about wholesale and he looked at me, he's like, oh, you mean our body shop? And I was like, no, our wholesale. I was like, you know, <laughs> you know, if the, if the car, and I, I, I remember explaining to him, Mr. General Manager, if the car doesn't show up on our service drive, we don't get the part sale or the labor sale, but it's going across the street to, you know, what some people may view as our competitor. But guess what? That competitor will buy parts from me to fix that car because the car didn't show up here. And the reason why the car didn't show up at the, at the dealership is usually we find, we found out that warranty is the primary driver of traffic across the service drive. So once that car is out of warranty, if it's a, if it's a, an Asian or a, or a domestic OEM, three years, 36,000 miles, we're never going to see them after that. If it's a luxury brand, four years, 50,000, we're probably not going to see them after that time period is up, right? So then, yeah. you know, so then what happens is, is that uh, I still have a really good shot of selling the part, even though the service manager has no hopes of selling labor because the car's not there. <laughs> yeah, you bring up such a good point, which is that just because we're not, um, capturing it from our own service drive doesn't mean that we have to not capture the parts sale either, you know, and, and I think that's kind of a fundamental um, concept to understand, you know, especially what? if you're talking to your dealer principal and he doesn't really understand why you're, you're wanting to develop that business so much. Well, correct. Correct. And I think I said this once before, um, if I'm sitting in front of a dealer operator or a general manager or whoever it is, and I put a hundred dollar bill on that table, I would challenge them. Can you tell me what department that hundred dollar bill came from? Did it come from the new car department? Did it come from service department? Did it come from F and I? The answer is it doesn't matter where it came from. Money is money, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And the other thing is, is that you've, I've heard so many, you know, people would say, why would I do wholesale? I got to work half as half, you know, I, I got to work twice as hard for half the money. And the truth of the matter is, is that, well, you know what, if they don't buy it from you, they're going to buy it somewhere else. Yes, they will. And, and I mean, the other, your competitor yeah. will happily sell it. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And you know what? I, I'll say it once. I'll say it again. You and I and whoever's listening, we are in the parts business and we're here to sell parts. And I don't care where that money comes comes from. I have the part. I want to sell it. I don't want to be, I don't think you do either. I don't, I don't want to be the curator of the auto parts museum <laughs> uh, where parts sit and they collect, where parts sit and they collect dust. And, you know, that's money tied up. That's the dealer's money that, you know, yeah, we only have that part there because it's met specific phasing criteria. There's activity. Uh, the only reason why we even have that part there is because there's a very high likelihood that we're going to sell that part again. Exactly. So, um, right, and that and that's how we grow our business, and that's how we grow our profits, and that's how we, you know, so it's all about getting our fair share of the market, you know, and it, it's an, it's an extremely competitive business. But it's a profitable business, right? So yeah. there's all different ways you can slice and dice it. One of the things I will say is that when you talk about wholesale, remember, there's two segments to this this monster. Um, you have collision, and you have mechanical. 
And those are, you know, two totally separate customers, two totally separate sets of needs and expectations that have to be met. Sure. We can get into that later. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I think the, the takeaway that I'm getting from this is, you know, um, if, if a customer came into your dealership and he purchased a car and now you're uh, three years down the line, he's out of warranty, that customer is looking for a cost-effective way to keep that vehicle in good condition. And generally speaking, um, there's all sorts of reasons for this, but generally speaking, um, the dealership is not going to be the most cost-effective route. It might be the best quality route. And there's probably a difference between a customer who's in Highline um, and a customer who is in domestic, right? But I, I would imagine that, you know, at least when I was in Highline, so I, I worked with Lexus and BMW for a good bit of time. And um, what I found was we had some very, very loyal customers that no matter what, they came to the dealership. But we, our competitors were specializing in import in Highline. You know, they, they were saying, hey, we, we work on just BMWs and we do it better than the dealership mm-hmm. for half the price. You know, mm-hmm. so that's, mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. I also got those sales because I sold to those customers. And that's the big takeaway there. Just because it's not being funneled through your service department doesn't mean you have to miss the sale altogether. And by the way, um, all sales help the dealership, right? And so where, where you're, 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 um, the thing you did with the $100 bill, that's perfect. It's perfect. It doesn't matter where it came from. The fact is that it's here and it's on the desk. So that's kind of my takeaway. Yeah, and you know, it's it's super important. Yeah, one of the other things I was going to say is that one one of the factors that has to be looked at here is depreciation of the vehicle itself. Yeah. Because in most cases, three years down the road, after you drive off the lot, after you buy or lease that car, three years later, that car is only worth about half of what the purchase price is. And if you think about it, most people are financing the purchase of a new car 48, you know, five, six, sometimes six, seven years down, you know, and sure. it's it, when you think about it, it's like, okay, here I am, I'm still making my same monthly payment five or six years down the road, but I don't have any warranty. Like the warranty is gone. Anything goes wrong with that car. I have to pay for it out of my pocket. Yep. So I'm looking for um, somewhere that can do the, you know, that can do the work for, for, and again, a lot of the technicians that work in these independent repair facilities, guess what? They worked at the dealership. So, yeah. and they're, you know, there's now we're talking about, you know, skill level. So, you know, some of these uh, independents, some of them have a greater bandwidth of what they can do and what they can't do. All of them can do oil changes. All of them can do alignments. All of them can right. do brake pads, but you know, at certain points, you're going to be faced with no other alternative than to take it back to the dealer because now you're talking about, you know, very specific uh, diagnostic and technical um, type repairs that uh, maybe the independent re- repair providers don't have either the uh, the correct diagnostic equipment or training. Yeah. And let's face it, the the uh, the, the level of technology being integrated into these cars every single year it just gets bigger and bigger and you know three or four years if you if you have a vehicle let's say three four five years old there's a good chance that the uh technology is maybe obsolete not a lot of cars three or four years ago had android auto or apple carplay as an example that's right that's right yeah that's a good point yeah yeah well um, so so you know takeaways it's very important huh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think I think that you know we're having we're we're just kind of putting things into perspective, right? Things yeah. to think about, you know, and you know it could be very easy, like hey, you know, uh, phone rings, I pick it up, I, I fill the order, and that's it. And right. I just never, I just never liked the the McDonald's order taker approach to selling parts, <laughs> um, because if you, yes. if you if you if you if you sit there and wait for the phone to ring, that's not, you know, that's not, that's not how I would recommend to grow your business. There's lots of other ways that we can do it. So absolutely. Well, I guess let, let's get into some of those uh, different ways. So you have, like I said earlier, uh, four or five things we can do to to help us develop uh, our wholesale businesses. And so, what would be the first thing that you uh, would recommend for us? You know. 
here's the thing, relationships, and I'm going to say that's, you know, when you're, when you're talking about the top three things uh, that's most important to, to me, any business, but especially wholesale is that everything begins and ends with, you know, building and maintaining relationships with your customers, right? The customers who buy from you and, uh, you know, the next thing to, to, would be considered would be service right? We can have the best relationships in the world with our customers. If we can't service those customers, we got a problem. That's right. <laughs> uh, and then, and then pricing, pricing is a distant third and pricing and being competitive. I mean, I, Joe, we both know that we can manipulate prices, you know, and, and many dealers do manipulate prices because either they don't have the relationships or they struggle with, with the, the servicing uh, or, or, or delivery. And so what's, what's, the, what's the, the, the shortest path? It's, oh, well, I'm, if, I, if I have mediocre service, then I'm just going to lower my price. And I'm going to be the cheapest. Yeah, exactly. And as we all know, Joe, as we all know, you get what you pay for. <laughs> you get what you pay for. That's exactly right. Yeah. And, and so, you know, parts managers out there, hey, you don't, guess what? You don't have to be the cheapest. Uh, you just have to be the best. And, and that's how you grow your business. Um, yeah, and so absolutely is. It, it, it's going to come down to, you know, have a, have a tool or a measurement that you can look and see from the time that that phone rang to the time that that part got to the shop, how long did it take? And, uh, you know what, Jimmy John's can get that that sandwich over there freaky fast and under whatever it is, 10 minutes, 15 <laughs> exactly. minutes. Exactly. Granted, granted, they they only have a two mile radius, right? Right, right. But you know what? I'm talking about a ten dollar sandwich and I'm comparing it to like a you know a, a four hundred dollar break job which by the way did, did not include labor you add labor onto it now it's an eight hundred dollar break job guess what joe that sandwich will win the delivery race every single time <laughs> that's right that's right would you agree with me absolutely and and you know it, it kind of brings up a funny point because my wife and i uh ordered dominoes the other day and it's so funny i was looking at the um I think most places do this now. Like if you have DoorDash and you have all these different things, but when you order Domino's, they give you um, this little progress bar and they're like, Hey, it's, it's being made yeah. all right? it's being quality checked. And then, Hey, uh, uh, Mark actually has it in his vehicle and he's literally 6.25 minutes away from you. And I thought, wow, this is, this is incredible. Like what, how could we, how could we just learn just a little bit? From and there are tools out there. Actually, there there, there are tools, are. tools out yes, there that, that, that you can sort of um, use in the same way. But I thought, man, it, it, the the crazy thing is that it doesn't matter which Domino's you order from. You're going to get that every time, every single time. The quality yeah. is going to be the same. Um, the delivery service is going to be the same. All these different things are going to be the same. And you know, are you familiar with the work of of um, Simon Sinek. Um, absolutely. I follow him uh, on social media. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So he talks a lot about, and pretty recently, his, his latest book is called The Infinite Game, I believe. That's what it's called. But essentially, he draws a comparison between um, infinite and finite games, meaning um, a, a finite game is like playing a game of chess. There's a clear winner and a clear loser. There are predetermined sort of rules and, and procedures and things you can and cannot do, right? But the other side of the spectrum is that there's this infinite game, and that's the game that we're all playing in, right? And so when we talk about, like, like you talk a lot about relationships, and it's, it's interesting to me because you're inherently thinking about this from an infinite perspective, right? Because you don't win or lose at the parts business. <laughs> you're just, you're either behind or ahead of someone else. Like that's, that's all it is. There is no, sure. there is no finish line. This is an infinite game that we're playing. And so when we talk about these things, it's a long-term strategy. These are not things that you can oh, do yeah. um, 
you know, on Monday and expect Friday to be awesome. You know, and I always tell my people, the results of this month are predetermined by the inputs we, we had six months ago. You know, and, and that's just, I find that to be true time and time again. And I think it's sometimes frustrating, especially for, you know, parts managers out there who um, they're not really heavy into the wholesale game. Maybe they want to be, but like you said, they're like, wait, I have to do all this work for half of the, uh, the, the profits that I would get through my shop. And we kind of went through that, but you know, that's, that's, that's thinking of things in a finite mentality. And what we're saying is, hey, how can we build a business that transcends us when we leave? That's how you leave a legacy and, and a mark on your business. That's how you grow the business, you know. And if you can build a business that um, is just booming, even when you're gone, you did something right. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. And, you know, I, I, I'll say that uh, the end result of what we get is directly proportional to what we do. Right. Right. Like that stuff just doesn't happen automatically. There's a lot of things uh, that have to be looked at and tweaked. And, and, you know, obviously there's, there's tools out there and um, for parts managers out there on the collision side, you're probably, you're going to want to be on. There's, there's so many platforms that, that the collision shops are using right now. Yeah. That you have to, you have to be in it. And I've said this before, being in wholesale, either you're in or you're out. There is no gray area. It's like, it's kind of like, it's kind of like being pregnant. Either you're pregnant or you're not. (laughs) It's like, and, and, and if you, if, if you're going to, if you're going to get, be in the business and and you're going to be a player, then you gotta, you have to have everything that these shops, uh, specifically ordering procurement platforms, collision link, um, OPS tracks, uh, Body orders coming across the fax machine are long gone. Yeah, and I remember those days because I'm, you know, I've been around for so long. But I remember the orders coming in, and I'd I'd see a crash order, right? And half the order were the the lines were crossed out, and I'm like, wait a minute, what is this? <laughs> like you're you're, why am I getting the scraps of this order? I want that door. No, I want that headlamp. I want that bumper cover. What? What yep. do you mean insurance doesn't tell you you got to buy it somewhere else, right? <laughs> so we're talking we're talking about that game, and and of course over on the uh, mechanical side, you know, uh, take a good look at RepairLink. Uh, you know, the days of, of of customers calling into your your parts department, and let's face it, ninety percent of the, the inbound phone calls from mechanical shops they just they're trying to build a repair estimate. That's all they're trying to do. It's the same thing that the, our service department does. Yep. I need price and availability on this, this, and this. And guess what? They don't have to call us anymore. Uh, and, uh, you know, I would rather sell parts. And I think you'll agree with me rather than be a, a quoting machine and quoting parts all day long. And they never order back from you. Right. Right. And so in that case, I would gladly set up those shops on repair link <laughs> And they, they don't have to call us anymore. They can, they can log in 24 hours a day, seven days a week when we're closed. They can see the diagram. They can see the part. They can see the part number. They can see the list price. They can see their price. Yeah, absolutely. They can see availability. And, and guess what? If they want to order it, they just click it. We get the order and we deliver it. How cool is that? I mean, that, that's amazing. Exploiting those things is, is the, uh, that's where the money's made, you know. And, and I'm finding actually that, um, there's a preference that's starting to build. I mean, people don't really want to call me and that's fine. Like they want to be able to do self-service. They want to be able to look those things up themselves and build the estimates and have that quick level of access. Because, you know, I, I think a lot of dealerships suffer from just not being able to get to every single phone call. And the reality is that if you don't have sort of a back-end system set up, you might be losing sales. You know, if you're not on repair link, collision link, OPS tracks, um, you know, all, all of these sort of various other pieces of technology that allow your customer to do business with you without talking to them, um, you, you could be very well losing yeah. sales. Yeah. On the mechanical side, um, the last time I checked, up to 50% of repair estimates were written outside of normal dealership business operating hours. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, you know, uh, it, it's important to have these things in place. And one other thing that I'll, I'll just kind of pepper in here with this conversation is I remember looking at quotes that, that you know, my people would generate. And I, I remember having them in a room and a meeting and say, hey, you know, we had whatever it was, a thousand quotes this month, right? And they're sitting in my DMS system and they're just sitting there and they're open. And I never really liked having those things sitting there open, especially at the end of the month, right? Yeah. And, uh, and, and then I would focus like, okay, so what percentage of those quotes? Because after all, that's time. I'm, I'm, I'm paying my, my people time to, to pick up the phone and do those quotes. Sure. So I want to know how much of, what percentage of those quotes actually ended up getting sold. And it turned out it was like less than 2%. So then I was like, well, this is crazy. Like I, you know, like our time could be better well spent rather than just answering phone calls and quoting parts all day long. So they can go buy it somewhere else. Right. Exactly. And so parts manage parts managers, make sure you measure what percentage of quotes are actually being sold. And, you know, if you can bump it from 2% to 4%, well, at least that's a, that's a step in the right direction. Right. But it also, sends the message to your employees and also to your customers. Like if you guys like to call us, that's fine. You can call us. Right. But you don't have to call us because there's technology and there's platforms out there that, you know, you could probably get the information much quicker than it would take for you. Uh, because let's face it, I hate to say it. If, if we made mystery phone calls, which I used to do into parts departments, <laughs> uh, nine times out of 10, I get parts hold. Yep. Right. And, yeah, uh, yeah. and guess, guess what people, you don't have to put them on hold anymore. You just have them direct them to your, your online site and they get everything they need. And then, then some, and all the information they need to build a repair estimate and you're off to the races. And that's just a huge time saver. So. Absolutely. You know, we had a system set up at one point when we were in a really high growth phase. Um, you know, you, you end up getting yourself in a position where, um, it's kind of a, a transition period where it's like, okay, well, we have a certain amount of staff. Let's say you have 10 people and all of a sudden, of course, it seems like overnight and it's not, it's all the inputs that you put in before, but it seems like, holy crap, like we have so much to do now. We have so many calls coming in. We have so many emails coming in, all this different stuff, but we're still operating on a, on a, a smaller staff. And of course, if you're going to your dealer principal and say, hey, I need to hire people, he's going to say, uh, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. Uh, you need to be able to to justify those things first. So the reality is that you're going to have to um, develop some really solid processes for inbound sales coming in. And so we had set up a system at one point uh, where we had our receptionist. You know, we had so many calls coming in. We had a receptionist sort of set up a uh, what was it? It was kind of like a, a board a board, a digital board where mm -hmm. she would field the calls, say, Hey, this is, you know, such and such. What are you looking for? Give me all the information. I'm going to have someone call you back in no more than 10 minutes. And, and we wow. used that very successfully and, and the customer was like, Oh, okay. And they started to expect that. And of course, you know, after that, we, we brought on some more outside sales staff, brought on some more inside sales staff, um, coached them to, to be able to use the online platforms and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, there are going to be those transition periods um, where it feels like it's too much. And we probably feel that way a lot of the time anyway, you know, we're mm -hmm. for some mm -hmm. reason consistently understaffed or um, have not so great processes you know, in place, but um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's thinking outside of the box, you know, and you're not letting your customer down you're letting them down more if you put them on hold for that 10 minutes, right? Without right. coming back and going, okay, now, now what are you looking for? You know, and they have to restart the whole process. Yeah. Let me, let me ask you a question, Joe. If by some miracle you were able to increase your wholesale sales by 20%, would you automatically be assured of getting additional resources or staffing? Hmm, that's a good question. I, I, and, and there is no right or wrong answer. What I'm getting at is that the answer is probably going to be no, right? I, I would think but that I'm doing 20% more business. Not. <laughs> right. So, so now we're here. We are like, it's a good problem to have. Not that it's a problem, but you know, we're doing more business. We're selling more parts. We're making more money. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to be able to add on 
here or there or wherever we need, whether it's a another person or another program or another driver or yeah. So it really is uh, dependent on making sure that we're getting the most efficiency out of those platforms that we have because we want to work smarter, not harder. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that part of that is these systems we're talking about, these online platforms and educating our customers, um, which, by the way, is a great way to build a relationship with a customer. Yep. Yep, absolutely. One of the things I will say is that there's a lot of things in the pot here. There's a lot of things going on with wholesale. There's going to come a time where uh, a parts manager is going to need some help, right? Like whether it's a little bit of help or a lot of help or all somewhere in between. And, uh, you know, there's, I can't stress enough because you know, when I used to work for these two OEMs, my job was to help coach and train and show best practices. And, you know, there's always a nugget there where, or a time where the parts manager, would, we call it the aha moment. It's like, oh yeah. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's all about measurable increases, right? But right. I guess what I wanted to stress was, is that, you know, there are resources and there are people and that, that do this type of thing whether it's remote, whether it's in person or a combination of both where, you know, it's always nice to have a, a teacher or a coach or some outside, you know, I call it a, another set of eyes to look at your business. And it's because sometimes we have tunnel vision, don't we? That's right. That's right. It's all about a, a perspective. Yeah. Well, you know, you have somebody who can look at things objectively and they don't have, you know, because let's face it, there's so many things going on. There's so many distractions. And uh, right now I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm reading a book called Miracle, Miracle Morning or Morning Miracle. And it's all about like having a time before you even start your day where you get up early in the morning and you have a moment of reflection and you can, you know, journal and you yeah. can meditate and you're free of distractions because what happens when you get into the dealership and there's a fire drill happening every hour on the hour, phones are ringing, people, you know, you're being stretched in literally a million different directions, right? Yeah. yeah. So it doesn't leave a lot of bandwidth to be able to sit down in a, in a quiet room to be able to analyze and look at things. And so, you know, one of the things I would recommend to a parts manager is like, look at your, look at your portfolio of customers and, Let's get that information downloaded into a spreadsheet and let's sort the customers who have purchased the most year over year. We're going to call those people our biggest winners. And then we're going to also look at the other side, the flip side of that down at the bottom. These are the biggest losers. These are the people that have, you know, the most amount of uh, sales that they didn't buy from us compared to the same time period last year. And, uh, Many times that's a that's just an eye opener to the parts manager, and uh, the next logical step would be, um, you know, getting back that lost business, right? And so uh, what I meant to say was is that you know you having a good CRM, and we we talked about this before, a customer relationship management tool uh, is it's that is a must have. Uh, if if the dealership doesn't have a CRM, you need to have one. And that Absolutely. is because right now what we're doing is we're data, we're data mining, right? And it's not so much to know like, hey, <laughs> I'm, I'm getting automatic notifications. Uh, here's a customer in my top five that I haven't seen or heard of, or they haven't bought anything in the last 10 days. Why? <laughs> so yeah. uh, I want to, I want to, I want to know, because let's face it, we have so many customers. It's hard to keep track of them all, isn't it? Absolutely. And, you know, you've got to aggregate that stuff. And like you said, you can. So um, I think yeah. you and I both use PSX, right? From Summit Consulting. Correct. Correct. And with PSX, yeah. um, and, you know, I think, and you you would be able to tell me this, do they work with CDK very well? Do they work with Reynolds? Yes, they do. Okay, perfect. So, so um, that's good to know. And PSX is, is one of those systems and probably it's the best one that I probably know of where you can set these things up and say, Hey, my top customer hasn't, hasn't uh, ordered from me in, you know, 10 days. Whoa, <laughs> what's going on? 
Yeah. And like you're saying, well, that, that's, you might not yeah. know that otherwise. That's, that's one, that's one uh, little nugget that the system will tell you. But the other thing is let's take a look at the customer who they're still buying from you every day, but their annual uh, purchases are down maybe whatever, 20, 30%. Well, you'll be able to use this tool to say, well, what specifically, what part segment did they increase or decrease? And in the case of a body shop, I can almost guarantee you uh, it's going to be those highly competitive seg parts segments of sheet metal, headlamps, tail lamps, radiators, yeah. condensers. And, you know, it, those things add up over time where you're like, okay, now I know why <laughs> this customer, they're, purchasing, they're still buying from me, right? They're just not buying as much. So, sure. you know, having that type of information is vital to be able to sell deeper into that account or deeper into that repair estimate. And, uh, you know, it could be a simple, a simple fix where it's just like, okay, looks like you guys are getting a lot of pressure from the insurance company to put aftermarket or recycle parts back on that car. But did you know, <laughs> I have a price matching program that's sponsored by the manufacturer that I can price match. And so what does that mean to you, Mr. Customer? It means that you can put first uh, uh, the first line OEM part on the car with 100%. It's guaranteed 100% to fit. It's going to have reduced repair cycle time, which is going to save us all money and time. And it's, it, you know, it's, it, it's going to mean safer OEM repairs for the customer. So those are, it's a win-win-win situation. And Absolutely. I can still sell it because the insurance company doesn't care they really don't care what kind of part goes on that car. They only care about what they pay. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, that shows your customer how much you care about that business. Oh yeah. I mean, the business, I mean, not just the business, but Hey, we're like, it's so important that the customer knows like, Hey, my, and I'll, I'll say this to my customers. My only purpose in life is to help, help you sell the next job or to provide a, 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 a safer repair for your customer. And you don't have to use that, that aftermarket or junkyard stuff. You, you don't have to use it. Right. Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. Whatever, you know, there's, there's certain parameters or gray areas that, that the shops can work with. But I can, I can tell you every single shop I've ever visited, and I've visited thousands of shops over my years, yeah. they uh, would rather always use OEM parts, so. Yeah, they would, absolutely, you know, and, and they may think that that is not always possible. And in some cases, maybe it's not. Um, but, you know, most manufacturers, most OEMs are going to offer you some kind of program to help you with your wholesale business. They're going to offer uh, some kind of backend incentive, some kind of incentive for your customer. Uh, knowing those things is, is just critically important because when you look at your wholesale business as uh, just one singular business unit, you have to take those things into account. If you're looking at your financial statement, you're going, okay, wholesale revenue is this, wholesale gross is this. Oh crap, I'm not making any money. Well, you have to take into account all that backend stuff that, well, number one, maybe you're not taking advantage of uh, to the fullest extent. Uh, and, and number two, maybe you're not offering your customer um, all of the incentives that the OEM provides for them because they want you to sell OEM parts. Trust me, they, they would much prefer that you... Uh, we talked about this earlier. If it's not coming through the shop, they want you to sell that part uh, versus having the customer go to an aftermarket source, right? Correct. So Correct. yeah, I, I just think and it's many important time, that we we take all of those things into account. Yeah. Well, here's the other thing: is like I'm sure those um, all those 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 highly competitive parts that we spoke of, I can almost guarantee they're probably sitting on your shelf. Uh, yeah. <laughs> because you know yeah. you've sold you've sold them before. And you know what? I would rather make uh, you know ten dollars on that part and move it and get it off the shelf rather than have that thing sit there for a year and collect dust. And now, <laughs> you know, it, that I, like I said, I'm all about volume. I'm all yep. about sales. Yeah, uh, yeah. Inventory, every inventory control is very important. But uh, like I said before, I do not want to be the curator of the auto parts museum. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to end up using that now. 
I'm, go I'm going to have to start using that in my normal everyday language. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's pretty good. Well, yeah, these parts, the, these parts sitting here on the shelf, <laughs> these are hot potatoes. That's right. Exactly. I need to, they're, they're, they're landing. We got a lot of parts coming in every day. We got a lot of parts going out every day. These parts are hot potatoes. And the more, the more, the more time they sit here collecting dust, the more money I'm losing. So you know what, uh, it, if I can, if I can move that part, trust me, I will. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, James, uh, I know that you have said this before, but, um, you know, if anyone does need help, of course, um, you know, I, I'm more than willing, uh, to, to help you work through this, but I know that uh, at least I'm pretty sure that James is, is willing as well. And he is the, uh, you know, he is what I would consider the expert on this, you know, so, um, how, how can people reach you? You know, that's a great question. I'm right in the middle of, uh, putting together my, my website, uh, where people can, you know, at least look and see uh, what's going on with me and what my portfolio looks like and what my experience looks like. But right now, the, the easiest way to get a hold of me is just on LinkedIn, uh, James Holloway, um, and message me there. Uh, but very soon, there will be a time where you can call me, you can text me, you can FaceTime me, you can email me, <laughs> all, all of those things. I'm always <laughs> here. I'm always available. Uh, you know, uh, I, I love to talk about this because I, I'll be honest with you. I don't know anything else. <laughs> hey, that's where I'm at for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I, 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 I get a lot of self-satisfaction, uh, from being able to help others. Um, you know, it used to be where I got a lot of satisfaction from just being able to help customers, but now it's about helping parts managers and, you know, in all of the hundreds of dealerships I've traveled to uh, all over the country, and when I say all over, Joe, I've seen all these dealerships, uh, the best of the best, the worst of the worst, and all points in between. Some of these dealers are uh, multi-million dollar, what I call mega dealers, and some are just like small dealers. And guess what? Um, none of them are perfect. And and, you know, there's always one thing that they can, they, they, they like I said before, that it's an aha moment or something that they can improve on. Cause I like to ask questions, you know, uh, I will play devil's advocate and I won't make it easy for that person. I will actually challenge them and say, how, you know, here's what I see. Let's talk about it and let's get to the bottom of it and perform a, sometimes what they call a SWOT, uh, a strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats analysis. Sure. Doesn't have to be a big, big thing, but, um, there's always a reason why something happens or it doesn't happen, right? Of course, of course. <laughs> Link, LinkedIn for now, yeah, until okay. uh, until I get this thing launched up, up, and yeah, so. Good, good. Well, do you have any parting words for us? Anything that uh, we should be looking out for? Anything that that we should be taking away from our conversation today? I mean, yeah. Remember that. Remember the three, four-legged, you know, stool, right? And we didn't even talk about e-commerce. That's another topic for another day. Sure. Otherwise, I'll be here all day long talking about that because I, <laughs> I have a lot of experience with selling parts. Uh, I there were there were a time that I we sold parts on eBay ten years ago. I can tell you stories about that. But in terms of wholesale, uh, I'm just going to put a couple bullet points if you guys want to scribble it down. Number one, um, build those relationships. Number two, make sure that you're giving the very best level of service that you can. And listen, you don't have to conquer the entire continent of, of, of Europe or the United States. Focus on your backyard, right? Oh, well, I'm going to say own your backyard. When I'm talking your back, about your backyard, I'm talking about a five to seven mile radius, right? Yeah. And make sure that we're competitive and profitable. We, you don't have, nobody, listen, nobody expects you to be the cheapest, right? We sell OEM parts. Those OEM parts have a warranty. Um, and those OEM parts do have a place just like aftermarket parts do. And then the other thing I will say is, is that, um, you know, uh, get back to lot, get back to lost business, get yourself a CRM tool, start looking at your portfolio. Okay. Find out who those, who those, uh, those, those people are that kind of wandered off the radar. That CRM is actually your radar, right? Yeah. It's so important to have what we call customer retention, right? So we're going to get back to lost business. 
We're going to sell deeper into the accounts we already have. We're going to do those things before we even attempt to go out and conquest new customers. And there are, there are plenty of shops out there that will consider switching over to your dealership. They just don't know you. Because I, I will tell you this right now, uh, ladies and gentlemen, people buy from people. They don't buy from brands. They don't buy from corporations. They don't buy from logos. They buy from people. And they have to, you have to earn their trust, and that takes time. So, you know, if you have a couple of prospects, there's no better time to get out there and, and make introductions and make sure they're aware of your capabilities, the tools and resources that will benefit them. This is not about you. This is about your customer and how you can help them fix more cars. Because your customer, it's like running a restaurant. That table in that restaurant, if I can turn that table two more times a night than I did the night before, then that's going to make a huge impact on my, on my business. The average mechanical repair shop out there has anywhere from two to four repair bays. So if I can help that shop push an extra car out a week, that's five extra cars a month that they're pushing out because I, I showed up, I'm helping them, I'm showing them all the tools. Anyway, that, that extra five cars a month is huge in terms of their growth, their potential, and what they take to the bank, right? So, yeah. Um, and the other thing is, is that um, customer retention, sell deeper into the accounts you already have, get back the lost business. And that's about it. I mean, of course, we can go on and on and on, but, you know, the CRM is vitally important. And it's, it's not just about having it. It's about logging in every day and looking at it and taking a good hard look at it because a lot of information goes in every single day and things can change very quickly. So that's right. That's right. And, and James, I'll say this, you know, um, I think we could both probably talk forever about this and, and I think it's such an important conversation to be having. And, and, um, I think it would be great if we continue to collaborate and go deeper on all of these subjects, because I know that there's going to be some people, uh, some driven people, some people who want change, uh, they're going to want to explore this a little bit. And, you know, this is the year, folks. This is, you need to start planting your seeds now uh, because it takes a while. It takes a while. It doesn't happen overnight. Uh, we talked earlier about infinite and finite games. Well, you have to think about this as an infinite game. Um, so, so take these lessons, uh, go a bit deeper, do some reflection of your own, um, and, and we will be back together hopefully soon, James. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Good. Um, again, again, uh, you and I are, I think we're, we're on the same page here where, you know, we want to provide value to our listeners and, uh, and, you know, make sure that, uh, try, try to give them some food for thought. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, James, thank you so yeah. much for doing this. Uh, this has been awesome. I'm, I'm taking a lot of notes. Um, so we will talk to you again very, very soon. Sounds great. And uh, thank you again. I have a lot of fun uh, being on this podcast and uh, I look forward to the next time.